Hey, everybody. Join us as we delve into our favorite dark tales and paranormal mysteries. Venture with us beyond the safe places that exist in daylight as we go Beyond Beyond the the shadows. Shadows. True crime. Paranormal. Hauntings. UFOs. Cryptids and unsolved mysteries. Conspiracy theories. Past lives. Reincarnation. And all the like are just a few of the topics that we will tackle. If it haunts your fucking dreams, then it will be on our show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode 12 of Beyond the Shadows. Uh, greetings, fellow shadow people. So we had a little incident here at the studio, a uh, little flood in the basement, and uh, but it ain't going to stop us. Yeah. We waded through at least two feet of water to get down here for you. So we're risking our <laughs> lives. We may get electrocuted, possibly drown, but... It's, uh, it's pretty heroic, but you know... We go above and beyond for you guys. <laughs> we'll so. do what it takes, man. If we have to do this underwater, we'll do it underwater. So did you uh, see the story about the, the meteorite? Crack yeah, meteorite? yeah, yeah. The one that you sent me? Yeah. Yeah, yes. So uh, anybody who didn't notice, uh, notice in the news, I forget which uh, which paper it was, but uh, in uh, Hopeswell Township, New Jersey, uh, just within the last week, I think, I want to say it was May 8th, Somebody had a rock crash through their roof. Uh, now, the first thing I would have thought is that was my neighbors. You know, you hear like the crash. So uh-huh. like, you're sleeping. You're on the toilet. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Boom. You go out there. There's a fucking rock laying. I think it was a bedroom, not the living room. But there's a rock there. I would have been outside jarring at the neighbor. Like, dude, what the frick? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty you strong know. neighbor. First of all, if the guy chucks a rock through your roof, you probably don't want to start <laughs> shit with him. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, if it, was a, if it was a meteor that hit my house, it'd be made out of solid gold. And it would drive right through my skull and kill me. <laughs> That's the kind of luck I have. The family all retires on <laughs> they're, they're golden, not me. I don't know what they're worth, but I know meteorites are worth quite a bit because they're rare. I think it's by the poundage. But uh, Actually, there was just one here that went down in Maine like maybe a month or two ago. Yeah. And they were offering like ten thousand yeah. dollars for whoever turned it into like the, I think it was a university or something that so was after. They'll it. probably get ten grand for it, but the damage to the roof was twelve yeah. five. <laughs> and the insurance company and, uh, won't cover it. There's always a loophole. <laughs> no, we don't exactly. cover meteorites that are six by four Ooh. inches. <laughs> what was it made of? <laughs> so yeah, this one was four inches by six inches and two point two pounds. You imagine coming down from space? That's got to have some. Well, what do you, what size do you imagine it. it was before it actually oh, hit yeah. the atmosphere? I bet burned, the thing yeah, was, was pr- pretty good size. Yeah, it's like a Volvo. Yeah. <laughs> it Most up. of it burned up. But, yeah. uh, man, that's got to be coming in with some steam. It's scary stuff, man. I'm surprised it didn't go through the roof and the floor below, to be honest with you. It was in Jersey, right? Yeah. Hopeswell Township. Yeah. Yeah, so look out. We got a couple listeners in Jersey, man. Look out. They're they, coming for yeah. you. <laughs> they actually said it was still warm. Like, the rock was still warm from the that's crazy. entry or whatever. But uh, I guess they had to come in, check the house for radiation, check the family for radiation. Everything for, was good. Come for, you never you know, don't even think about space, that, you know? man. Yeah, radiation. No, whenever shit. I, I would have walked right over and picked it up because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever I think of something coming from space, what actually scares me is like, what if there's some kind of bacteria or yeah. something that lives in it? And you never know. You know, when it comes to aliens, that's the scariest thing for me about aliens. You would think in theory it would have burned up on the wind, but you don't right. know for sure. Right. So... 
Uh, so anyway, what do you uh, get for us this week? Uh, we are going to do the divot box. So something a little bit different. We do it. Yeah. It's a haunting, but it's all oh, connected nice. to uh, an object. So I'm, I'm I think not familiar with that one at all. So all right, Excellent. well, all right, we're going to get right to it. Thanks for listening, guys. All right, we're going to do this on the Dybbuk box, okay? Excellent. So, a Dybbuk is a concept rooted in Jewish folklore and mysticism. It refers to a malevolent spirit or soul believed to possess or take control of a living person's body. The word Dybbuk is derived from a Hebrew term meaning attachment or clinging. According to Jewish mythology, a divic is typically the soul of a deceased individual who, for various reasons, is unable to move on to the afterlife. Instead, it remains in its earthly realm and seeks to inhabit the body of a living person. This possession is considered undesirable and dangerous as a divic aims to influence or control the host's actions, thoughts, and behaviors. I've dated a couple of Dybbuk's. I was going to say, the clingy part, I've definitely a Dybbuk or two in my time. <clears throat> the reasons for a Dybbuk attachment to the living world can vary. It is often believed to be the result of unfinished business, unresolved conflicts, or unsuccessful desires, excuse me, unfulfilled desires during the individual's lifetime. The Divic seeks to rectify these matters or fulfill its own needs by taking over the body of a living person. So, in the early 2000s, a man named Kevin Manis was searching yard sales and different estate sales in search of an object to sell at his antique shop. Not an object, but objects to uh, sell at his antique shop in downtown Portland, Oregon. While at one of these estate sales... Kevin found a pallet of objects that were being auctioned off as a whole. So, um, like when you go to these estate sales, they'll take like so many items and they'll put them on one pallet and then they'll put a whole bunch of items on another pallet. That way they can get rid of it. They make you, you know, bid on each. I think of like storage wars. Yeah, you that's know? exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, because yeah, you, you look in and you have to you buy the whole it, thing. But you can see it, right? Right, you can see it, but it's stacked on a pallet. And yeah. I don't think, honestly, don't think you're allowed to like go through probably the pallets. Not. You can. So they, they probably mix in the good stuff with the shit. That's what they do. Just to make you just haul it off. Unload it all yeah. because they don't want anything left over. Yeah, that's, defi- sure. that's definitely what it looked like. So, uh, and it made me lose my spot right away. <laughs> While at these estate at this estate sale, Kevin found a pallet of objects that were being auctioned off as a whole. Kevin saw a few objects on the pallet that he liked and wanted for his shop. Once the bidding started, Kevin made it known that he was going to get this pallet by continually outbuilding bidding anyone who would bid on it. The people quickly lost interest as they saw Kevin was willing to continue to raise the bid, and they quickly fell away until Kevin won the winning bid for a whopping $27. Seriously? Yeah, 27 bucks for the ballot. This was the early 2000s, so yeah, it's really not that different. I mean, (laughs) the big spenders came out and filled full force for this. (laughs) That's what I said. 27 whole dollars. So after Kevin won the bid, he started to go through the items on the pallet. One of the items on the pallet caught Kevin's attention. It was a small wine cabinet with a brass lock on it. Kevin hears a young lady say to him, I see you bought the divot box. Divot box, Kevin says? Well, that's what my grandmother always called it. 
She said when anyone ever asked her about it, she would spit through her fingers three times and say that it was never to be open. The box had belonged to Havila, the girl's grandmother, a a Holocaust survivor who had escaped from Poland during World War II. Kevin didn't really think anything about it and took the box and the rest of the pallet back to his shop. Once he got back to the shop, Kevin unloaded everything into the basement. Kevin soon began working on the box, prying off the brass lock, completely ignoring the girl's <laughs> warning. First thing you want to do when you get a yeah. box that you're not supposed to open, it pop that shit open. <laughs> you got to pop that trunk. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing this isn't going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> Once the lock was off, the doors opened up and revealed several objects inside. He actually said there was a mechanism when he actually opened it that like the doors open, like re- they opened on their own and the drawer came out like really like it was pretty fancy you know whatever to get it to open more so than what the box was you know you would expect in a box like that yeah yeah so inside there were two pennies from the 1920s a candle smick a smith a candlestick a small chalice a wine goblet a granite statue that had the word shalom carved into it and two locks of hair all types of objects that would be used in some type of ritual Kevin left the box and left the shop for the day, leaving his assistant Jane in charge. While Jane was down cleaning up in the basement of the shop, she started to feel as if somebody was watching her. She had never felt this way in the shop before, and Jane regularly spent hours at a time in the basement. She said she just had a a feeling deep down that something was wrong. She started hearing noises and the lights she turned off turned back on. Then she heard glass breaking. She immediately called Kevin and said she thought someone was in the basement. He told her to call the police and he was on his way. When Kevin arrived, he went to the back of the shop. He went to the basement door and the gate to the basement was locked, which was odd because they'd never locked it. He unlocked the lock and headed into the basement. He tried to turn on the lights, but they were out. As he walked through the basement, he noticed that all the fluorescent light bulbs were smashed on the floor. Ten different fixtures, and all the bulbs were smashed. Jane saw Kevin and said, fuck this, and ran out of the shop. At this point, Kevin said that he had to suspect Jane did this because he didn't have any other evidence otherwise. You yeah. know, they've never had any occurrences at the shop. Nothing had ever happened before. But uh, right after this, Jane quit. She didn't come back. She was done. Yeah. So she got pretty spooked in the basement, locked in, not be able to get out, no lights, no yeah, nothing. No shit. Had, so had to pop the lock <clears throat> off that box, yep, didn't he? Had to pop it. <laughs> so it was Kevin's mom's birthday. So as a birthday present, Kevin decides to give his the divot box to his mom. <laughs> Kevin sounds like a hell of a son. Even, even, even he, after the warning. So he was warned by the the girls granddaughter of the owner yeah the person who would most know then he brings the box into the shop and some weird shit starts happening so kevin's like you know what i'll do with this box (laughs) hey mom (laughs) guessing kevin and mom weren't all that tight (laughs) so kevin presented his mom with the box but he received a phone call that he had to take while he was on the call his mother went to the box she said the box gave her a very uneasy feeling she said the doors opened and it was like a cold breeze came out she says she couldn't describe it. It was like pure evil. It's funny. She said, I couldn't describe it. And then she described it as pure <laughs> evil. <laughs> Anyways, she couldn't get away. She couldn't run. 
she knew she was having a stroke. So his mom opened this box and instantly she had a stroke. And uh, you can actually, uh, I I went to several different sources, but one is, uh, what's, I want to give it a reference, but I don't want to mess it up. Uh, Paranormal Witness has yep. an episode on this and his actual mom is on the episode. And uh, so his plan didn't work then. She right. Made it. Yep. No inheritance. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm guessing she had quite an insurance policy. Right. So. With a son like Kevin. <laughs> so when Kevin returned, he found his mother in the chair, unable to move or talk. They called the rescue squad and she was transferred to the hospital. Why at the hospital, Kevin's mom was unable to speak, but she used a card that had letters on it to spell out a message to Kevin. F you. She said, fuck your gift, Kevin. <laughs> Actually, she said, no gift. Hate gift. Trying to warn Kevin about the box. Yeah. She said in the interview that she, you know, she was trying to tell him she was afraid what might happen to him because of the box. Because she, she instantly believed that she had a stroke because of this box. But Kevin didn't get really what she was saying, but he told his mom, okay, I'll get you a different gift. You know, he's under the pressure. She just didn't like the box. Kevin's a little slow. Yeah, maybe a little bit. So Kevin decides that since his mother doesn't want the box, he'll sell it. While the box was in the shop, odd things started to happen. Glass would break. Objects would fall off the shelves. Then one day, an older couple who came into the shop purchased the box. Then one day when Kevin was coming into work, he found the box on the step with a note on top of it. The note read this. No, the note read, this box has an odd darkness about it. So they returned it. After this, Kevin decides, well, I'll give it to my sister as a gift. And this I get because I would give it to my sister too. <laughs> she deserves this box. Anyways... <laughs> His sister returns the box like just days later because she said the box was given off an odd smell of like cat piss. Her husband said that the box actually smelled like, I think it was jasmine, he said. So they're all smelling different stuff. Yeah. When, That's a big difference between jasmine and Yeah, I, I think it was jasmine. I hope I didn't mess that up. But anyways, yeah. And several different times, there's different people that had it that thought it smelled like cat piss. So he tried to give it to his girlfriend after this. <laughs> And things began to happen around her, and she too gave it back. So Kevin is a cheap bastard yeah. just trying to get out of anybody anything. Yeah. You know, it's, if you're listening, Kevin, you sound like a bit. It's of, not bit of a douche. It's not once. It's not yeah. twice. It's like three, four times. Yeah. Real ladies' man, this guy is. Yeah. So Kevin decides to keep the box at his house. You know, if nobody else wants it, I'll bring it home. Soon after, he begins to have reoccurring dreams about a hag like woman, that would beat the living shit out of him in his dreams. Kevin claimed that he would wake up after these dreams with bruises all over his body. He said this was happening every night, so he decided it was time to get rid of the box. Kevin decided to put the box for sale on eBay. I remember this. I remember when this box came up on eBay. Yeah. It was it was early 2000s, you know, and... uh they put it up there, and Kevin gave the, an entire description about everything that had happened with the box and all that. Um, he stated that he didn't want to sell it to someone without disclosing everything that had happened since purchasing the box. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings 
From haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. So he's looking out for strangers. <clears throat> yeah, he's, but, but he's willing to school he didn't for his say mom, she had his, to sister, mom his, his sister, his girlfriend. <laughs> until it affects him. You know, yeah, this, nah. until yeah. something happened to old Kevin and then yeah. he's like, oh, well, we better let everybody know. But I guess that goes along with like me. I believe what happens to me when yeah. someone else tells me something. Like, Bullshit. <laughs> so he probably wasn't buying it. <laughs> so Manus uh, warned potential buyers about the box's alleged haunted nature and his eBay listing, stating that he wanted to sell it because of the negative effects it had on his life. He mentioned the paranormal incidents he had experienced to uh, convey the box's reputation and to generate interest from individuals intrigued by the supernatural. He hoped that someone who dealt with the occult would see it and buy it and dispose of it as it needed to be disposed of. Truthfully, that's probably a good strategy. One, you're being honest, and two, it's going to bring out. It's going to. It's going to bring people out for that exact reason. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. he makes it sound like he was trying to save the world, and more, yeah. he's just trying to make a buck. Oh, for sure. You could tell that this guy's about making the. He's buck. trying to unload it yep. and make a buck, but at least this time around, he was honest about it. So this. yeah, he really did put it out yeah. there. It was on eBay. I remember when this happened. I wasn't like in list, but. I don't remember if it was on the news or how it came about, but I saw it somehow. And I, I remember when this was going on and it was actually uh, sold. So the box was soon purchased by a college student in Missouri by the name of Isof. I can't even say this last name. Nidzitsky. Nice. I, I don't think that's right. For a purchase price of 140 bucks. So Kevin bought, what, 27 yeah. bucks? It counted for like five gifts. I think yeah. just because they give it back, it still counts as a <laughs> gift, right? You don't have to give them a second one. It's their choice. He made like 700% on his Right? So he did all right, 140 bucks. So that paid for the pallet and then some. So I saw, when I listened to a lot of different stuff, they referred to him as Sam. So I'm going to refer to him as Sam because I'm going to mess his name up every time if I don't. <clears throat> So Sam, after receiving the box, started a blog detailing the events that took place with the box. One of the first things that they claimed was a claim we'd heard before about the, how the box admitted an odor of cat urine. Sam kept the divot box at it by his bedside at first. He wrote in his blog that he had not had any nightmares or visited by any hags in his sleep so far. During the day, he would move the divot box to the living room. He said it had its own spot on the coffee table. So he sells this. He says that he wants to get rid of this box to somebody that can take care of it. This entered the supernatural and could dispose of it. Yeah, and they a, sell it to a college to student. To a college kid, yeah. What do you think they're doing with it? <laughs> they're doing shots off of it. They put your weed in there. Play, playing divot palm. You know goddamn well someone bets someone. It's filled 50 with, bucks, you dip your balls in that. <laughs> Filled with weed and condoms and shit. You know. <laughs> so when having a party, they would let everyone check out the box. And soon after, they would say, oh, by the way, the box is cursed. You may have nightmares for the rest of your life now. During a party, Sam tells some partygoers that it's time to open the box. 
Once Sam opened the box, he took a girl sitting beside him and shoved her hand into the box. She was infuriated with Sam, and needless to say, Sam didn't get laid that night. Because <laughs> I don't think Sam's got a very <laughs> good record with women. <laughs> Soon after this stunt, things began to happen around the house. The toaster blew, light bulbs would dim and go out, electronics would malfunction, Sam claimed that his laptop failed and his hard drive was wiped, well, causing there, him to have to get a new one. There goes all that porn, Sam. So there, yeah. Not only did he pay, spend one hundred and forty bucks on the box, he just lost his laptop, a girl, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> they claimed that there were also bugs that began to show up and were crawling all over the box. All of his roommates began having trouble sleeping. They all had an uneasy feeling in the house. Sam began to experience unusual hair loss and other health issues. Supposedly, he tried to return the box to Manus, the original owner, but Manus refused to take it back. He said, all sales are final, bitch. I'm <laughs> not taking that damn box back. Nobody wants it. I can't get rid of it. Well, in all honesty, if his ad was accurate, then, I mean, you were warned. Yeah, he know. told them. Yeah. But, I mean, come on. He said he wanted somebody who was, yeah. you know, disposed of it. <laughs> well, he made money yeah. and got rid of the fucking He got he rid of the box, back, and man. he's $140 richer. <laughs> You're on so, your own, bro. Sam decided he was going to put the box back up on eBay himself. And then the bidding started immediately, and it continued to climb. An individual named Jason Haxton wanted the box to investigate. Jason was a museum director, an author, and a practitioner of alternative medicine. He remembered that the box had sold for 140 times the first time around, because a lot of people were aware about this box. You know, they, they've seen stuff on the internet, they've seen stuff on the news about it. So he was interested from the start. I don't know if he followed the guy's blog, but he does mention the guy's blog about the box. Because I think after he got the box, he went back and went through the blog to see the different things that happened yeah. in the timeline and everything. So he said he remembered that the box sold for $140 the first time around. So he put a last-minute bid doubling that amount because he wanted this box. So he won the box for 280 bucks. So we're up to $280 now anyways. Kind of moron pays two hundred and eighty dollars to bring a haunted item into their house, man. You, right? You've been warned. Like, yeah, no. Most kid. people would pay unlimited shit to get rid of this, and this moron knows the history, and he's paying two eighty to bring it. In. <laughs> Come on, bring it home. No offense, man. But yeah, it's just stupid. Yeah, we're pretty much insulting everybody in this yeah, story well, tonight. They don't sound like yeah. the brightest bunch. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's on you. Guys, I'm okay sorry. with it. You can't be brilliant like us. <laughs> Haxton believed he could study the box and see if it was what it was supposed to be. Once Jason got it that night, he decided he would examine the box. So he was in, he, you know, he ran a museum, but I think it was on a school campus. Yeah. He used a black light on the box to see if there was what, to see that there was what looked like candle wax on the box. First it, off, it, I'm came, not, it came from a college kid. Right? You we'll, don't want to put a put black, a black light, light on anything <laughs> from a college, college kid. That thing lit up. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> something dark happened here. <laughs> if this box wasn't haunted before, it's fucking haunted now. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where was <laughs> Jason believed that this box could have actually have been used in some sort of sort of ritual. 
He then went to examine the objects inside. He went through all the things inside, examining each one one at a time. When he was done, he thought maybe it was just a historical piece, but stated he didn't realize how wrong he was. Jason said that within days of it being in the museum, the computers began crashing, losing important data. The lights around the box began to blow. All the same stuff that was happening pretty much everywhere else. The staff felt like a drain of energy, and they all wanted the box gone. He said it was like the box was an unwanted guest. Jason knew he had to remove the box from the museum. He took the box home in a locked compartment on the back of in the back of his truck. So he had like in his truck bed, he had like one of those caps over the back of his, yeah, yeah. you know, and so he locked it up and left it in there. That night, Jason had continuous nightmares of the hag. He said sunken eyed women were attacking him all night long in his sleep. When morning came, Jason went to the bathroom and noticed that his eyes were completely bloodshot. Over the next few days, Jason began experiencing health issues. One night while in the living room watching TV with his son, his son said to him in a whisper, Dad, what is that? Dad, pointing at the ceiling. When he looked, there was a black mass along the ceiling just floating there. At this point, he really began to fear for his family. Man, if only somebody had warned him first. If you had some kind of knowledge, you know, it's just not fair. So Jason moved the box to a rental property that he owned that wasn't being used by anyone and placed the box in the basement. He claimed to have contacted rabbis and got the information on how to reseal the box. Haxton documented his experiences and insight in his book titled The Divic Box sharing his perspective on the box's allegations, excuse me, on the box's alleged supernatural properties and its impact on his life. The Possession, a 2012 film directed by Olin Borendale, the film draws inspiration from the Divic Box legend. It tells the story of a young girl who becomes possessed by an evil spirit after acquiring a mysterious box at a yard sale. The Film follows the girl's family as they try to understand and combat the evil forces within the box. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's a good movie. No. Yeah, it's a really good one. I liked it. Uh, What was the title again? The name of the movie is The Possession. I think that the lead... Sounds familiar. The lead guy is uh, the Walking Dead dude, uh, Negan. Oh. uh, I think... uh, Drawing a blank on his name, but I know you talk about him. Yeah, I think he was on Grey's Anatomy, too, for yeah. you ladies out there. I think his name was Denny on that show, maybe? Jeff- Jeffrey Dean Morgan is Negan. There you go. I think it's him. I'm probably completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Anyways, if I'm wrong, just tear me apart in the email. Uh, Haxon was in possession of the box for many years until a famous ghost hunter by the name of Zach Dirtbaggins. You know who Zach Baggins is, don't you? That's uh, Ghost Adventures. Yeah, yeah. He purchased the box for his haunted museum in Las Vegas. They said it's not is they haven't ever come out and said how much, but the claims are that he has said to paid up to ten thousand dollars for the box. I mean, you think about you thought the other guy did okay by uh one forty and then yeah. doubling your money to two eighty. 
what's this like 40 times as yeah. much so yeah uh looks like uh jason was a real winner here so actually i think zach zach baggins is probably the real winner because he's got this disp- this is one of the main things in his uh, museum. Yeah. They got a lot of haunted objects in there, but this is one of the main. Probably draws good at the door. So, I mean, yeah. He's yeah, been, for he's, sure. He's getting his money back. Oh, he's, yeah, he's not hurting for it. Um, Baggins made, a, made the box a centerpiece in his museum. During the pandemic lockdown, Baggins and Ghost Adventures crew opened the box for the first time since purchasing it on, on an episode of Ghost Adventures Quarantine. He claimed when he opened the box, he heard the words Kevin and evil followed by laughter. I believe it was laughter of a young kid or something like that. During the episode, a famous singer by the name of Post Malone was uh, present with Zach. Post was said to have been touching Zach on the shoulder while Zach opened the box. The indirect contact with the box, they believe, to have set off a line of events for Post. Soon after the incident, Post's private jet was forced to make an emergency landing due to electronic issues. His home in San Fernando Valley was broken into in an attempted home invasion, and he was involved in a major car accident. So I'm looking, I, I heard all this here. I wrote this all down. I and remember I'm like, hearing something about that. I'm moment. like, all right, I need to go back and look at this because I don't know how. I want to make sure this is all right. Yeah. So I listened to him do an interview with one of the late night guys. So this is straight from Post himself. When he was on the plane, it wasn't electronical problems. When they took off, two tires blew on his on his uh, the the plane. So they lost two tires immediately. They they were going overseas. But they couldn't. They couldn't go. Obviously, they they knew their tires had blown, so they had to fly around for like four or five hours to burn off fuel. Yeah. So that they could make an attempt at landing. Yeah. So they did an emergency landing. So it was. This was literally all this happened within a month after supposedly touching the box. He didn't even touch the box. He was just touching, touching Zach touched at the, the box, time when he was yeah. touching the box. So, but anyways, the blue two tires. They did finally land, and he was okay, and. uh then, uh, what was the other incident? Um, his house was broken into, but it wasn't. This home invasion was a different time. This the home invasion was 2018, so that happened before. That was in a house that he used to own. Yeah, but his home was broken into in the month after this, and then he was in. He was in a major car accident. He wasn't driving. His assistant was driving. And the car was wrecked and totaled. Yeah, they were banged up a little bit, but I don't even think he went to the hospital from there. So, uh, I mean, all those things really did happen all within like a month of after opening that box. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the box was trying to save him. You know, <laughs> you know, he made it out of all those things yeah. okay. The box is like, well, I always get the bad rap, man. <laughs> <laughs> I saved Post Malone three fucking times. <laughs> But anyways, so uh, if you do, if you can actually go see the Divic box if you want. You can go to the uh, Zach Baggins Haunted Museum in Vegas. It's on display. Uh, you can go check it out. See what you think. Uh, All right, man. I got to ask. One at ten. How likely is this to be legit? So. Or are they drumming it up just to sell tickets? I don't think it's. Uh, 
I'm not real. I'm not real big on this one because something I hadn't said yet is well, the original person who had the Dibbit box, Kevin, he said later on that he made it up. But they say that he said that because this other individual, Jason Haxton, is the one that was making all the money off of this. You know what I mean? He yeah. he wrote the book. He was. They were both advisors on the mo- on the movies. I think. Yeah. But they then they said that there was a lot of jealousy between that. That's just one of the claims, whether that's true or not. But he did say he's like, go back and look and try to find a mention of a divot box before this. So, you know, there isn't much out there about a different box. You hadn't heard of one before this no. story. So that's his claim, you know, and it goes to like everything that we say. Everything sounds really cool. And then one of the very f- people yeah, that are a big chunk of the story come back and recant. You always find a big link on the chain. Right. So could he have, you know, could he have made it up or is he jealous? Or was it sour grapes because everybody else made more and money? He than didn't. Him. So that's, that's, and that's how they spin it. So if you're, if you're just a piss poor businessman, that's on yeah. you. Unfortunately, I'm probably put this one at a four or five. I uh, I can tell you this: if they open it up, I'd touch the box. I'm not. I I don't think I'd be afraid. I mean, yeah, college students, where you know they're doing shots off of oh, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, maybe bad stuff would happen, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with the four. I don't think this one's overly likely, but who no, knows? I've watched uh, some episodes where people have gone into Zach's museum and. Uh, actually done like ghost hunts within his museum. And I mean, shit, if a museum is going to be haunted, it would be that one. He's got everything in yeah. there, yeah. you know, but, uh, I don't know it. They, they claim to have, you know, hear different stuff, devices go off shadows and stuff like that around the box. He's got it set up. It's like locked up in a locked up in the thing. You can view it through the, yeah. Sort of like the Warrens. Like a window the Warrens had their own museum for years. Yeah. The stuff I mean, like that was locked behind a cage. You could look at it, but you couldn't touch it. He had stuff. one. There was another guy. I mentioned him in the, uh, the Haunting in Connecticut, the Snedeker family, the yeah. guy that was on uh, the Haunted the haunted Collector. He had a yeah, museum yeah, right yeah. in his – I think it was right in the basement of his home. Yeah, I believe his name was John Zaffis. And if I remember correctly, he is like related to the Warrens. I think he's a – Nephew, I think I had said. Oh, nice. Something like that. So, but anyways, that's the uh, that's a divot box. So that was a good episode. I like that story a lot. Uh, uh, thanks for listening, guys. And we're gonna head right to uh, this week's uh, fire pit. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, welcome to the fire pit. Uh, before we get started and Ryan uh, does the story, I just wanted to say if you guys want to send in your stories, you send them to beyondtheshadows207 at gmail.com, or you can go on our Instagram. You can message us on there. You can go on our Facebook group, uh, message us on there. You know, at the beginning of this episode, we talked about how the studio had flooded. If you want to even know what the studio looks like, go hit up one of the sites. There's pictures of what our studio looks like. If you're interested, it's all on there. We got a we're on Twitter. You know, it's all under Beyond the Shadows podcast. And if you're not comfortable writing your story and sending it to us, you know, I know I'm not a great writer. So it's hard for me. This is a challenge for me, you know, I'm getting better at it, I think. But if you don't, if you're not comfortable doing that, you can record yourself. You can do a voice memo. You know, you just get on your phone and record a voice memo and you can send that to us and we'll actually play your memo. 
We'll put you right on the air. Yeah, we'll put you in the fire pit that way. So if you wanted to do a video, you can do that. We'll take the audio from the video, and eventually maybe we'll do video ourselves. Yeah, but that's, we're, that's, that's probably coming down yeah, the road. We're not real pretty, so, I mean, Ryan's not real pretty. <laughs> but uh, anyways, no. So if you guys, We're eye candy, folks. Right? <laughs> so anyways, if you're more comfortable doing that or even just rather do it that way, that's cool. You know, we'll take it. We'll take a we'll take a memo. We'll take any kind of recording you got. Just send it to us, and if you just want to write it out, we'll read it. So, and we appreciate it, guys. So here's Ryan with uh, the fire pit this week. All right. So this came from Steve R from Salem, New Hampshire. Maybe 2010 or so, my brother and I took a trip down to Spidergate Cemetery in Leicester, Massachusetts. I know this one. Its real name is Friend Cemetery, and it's a small Quaker cemetery set off in the woods near Kettlebrook Reservoir. Yeah, I've heard of this one before. The yeah. Spider Gate's pretty that, Yeah, if, if you look up, like, most haunted places in the United States, this one will almost certainly show up. Yeah. Top 20, 25. Yeah, it, I've it'll heard definitely some stories about up. this place. Just, you know, uh, the name Spider Gate comes from the wrought iron gates to the cemetery that resemble spider webs, but they're actually supposed to be sunbursts. And I, you know, I've seen pictures of them, and they, and they do look like spider webs. But then when you see that it's supposed to be sunburst, you're like, all right, I can see that too. Right. It's a small, well-kept cemetery with some graves dating back to the 1700s. It isn't all that easy to find if you don't know where you're going, which we didn't. Eventually, we did find it, though. The cemetery is the source of all sorts of local legends. One is that by passing through the gate, you have entered into the eighth gate to hell. It's a portal that will take you to meet the devil. In the middle of the cemetery is an area known as the Altar. Its four corners are marked with cement blocks, and it was supposedly where the worshipping house once stood. There are stories that it was once used for satanic worship and sacrifice, and that the spot is now known for being a place where the grass won't grow. And I can definitely attest to the fact that there was a clear spot where the grass was not growing. Towards the back of the cemetery is the gravestone for Marmaduke Earl. There is no grass growing around the grave due to the legend that if you circle his grave ten times at midnight while saying, Marmaduke, speak to me, and then kneel down and put your ear to the gravestone, he will speak to you. Many people have reported to hear his voice, groans, or other such sounds while doing this. One can also find coins on many of the older gravestones, and especially Marmaduke Earl's, this being a throwback to the old Greek custom of coins being the method of payment to be carried across the river Styx. Uh, the graveyard is open to visitors during the day, but is off limits at night. The dirt path to the cemetery stretches a few hundred yards through the woods. The day we were there, the sun was beginning to set and it was getting dark. We were the only ones left in the cemetery, and the battery on my camera was getting low. The backup was in my brother's car back on the main road. He stayed behind, and I began to walk down the path when a bright flash of uh, light shone at me from off the side of the path, maybe 10 to 12 feet away. It appeared out of nowhere, and I hadn't seen or heard anyone prior to the light. But it wasn't a flashlight. It was an old-style lantern, and it was an old woman carrying it. She was in the woods off the side of the path, and in between us was a small ditch that was full of water as it was springtime and the snow was melting. She was dressed in very old-style clothing, and she was at my side in an instant. She grabbed onto my arm and began berating me in very old-style English. Thou shalt not trespass. Seeketh not thine heart? I'm not sure this is a 100% accurate account of what she said due to her having scared the shit out of me, but it's clo close. 
I shook her off my arm and continued on my way to the car, wondering what the hell just happened. Where did she come from? Why is she in the middle of the woods? It was only about this time that I realized I never actually saw her walk at all. I was so focused on the sudden bright light in my eyes and the old-style clothing. She was in the woods, and then an instant later, she had a hold of my arm. Did she float? I truly can't remember. I made it back to the car, got my battery, and expected to see her again coming off of the trail herself, but she didn't. I also did not cross paths with her again on the trail. Where did she go? Was she a flesh-and-blood person, or or had I encountered a ghost from the past? I really don't know. The whole encounter was very quick, and after replaying it in my head countless times over the years, the only thing I can say for certain it is that it was it was very unnerving. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome story. Wow, thanks for that story, Steve. We really appreciate that. Um, good one for the fire pit, man. Definitely. I like it. Like Anybody has on. any similar stories? Definitely send them in. Yeah, send them in, guys. Remember, Beyond the Shadows two hundred seven at Gmail. You can hit us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on Twitter. So, and uh, if you guys could, you know, maybe share the podcast with a friend. If you want to go on like Apple or something like that and give us a rating, all those things help us get out to more people. The more people we get to, the better. You know, we're uh, we we actually keep a little map here down here because we're for us it's fun. We're trying to you know get a person in each state. What are we at? Like forty forty five. 45 of the 50 states. So we need one from Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, and uh, Nevada? Nevada and Hawaii. That might be 44. I don't know how many we just said. We're either 44 yeah. or 45. So anyways, those anyway. are the only ones we have left in the states. We've had a few from other countries and stuff like that, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. We love seeing that. Beyond so. the Shadows is going global. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> So if you guys could share it, man, just let's tell some people about it. That would be fantastic. We'd really appreciate that. So thanks for All sending right. in the stories, and uh, keep them coming, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 12, guys. We appreciate it, and we'll uh, catch you next week. Bye.